This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> Gail Kimball invites us to generate emotional strength balance our bodies, and learn empowering visualizations. We live in challenging times, but can apply mental and physical tools to stay centered and calm. Gail's work teaches us about energy tools to develop our thought power, including how to stay centered, how to ground, and generate more energy to achieve our goals. The beauty of the tools is their simplicity and ability to be used anywhere to rewire our brains with our thought patterns. Valeria Telles interviews Gail Kimball, the author of Calm, How to Thrive in Challenging Times. Gail Kimball, PhD, is an intuitive coach who teaches clairvoyance and healing webinars and is the author of over 20 books. They include Calm Parents and Children, Essential Energy Tools, How to Develop Your Clairvoyant and Healing Abilities, illustrated with videos and CDs, Mysteries of Reality, Dialogues with Visionary Scientists, Mysteries of Healing, Mysteries of Knowledge Beyond the Sense, Everything You Need to Know to Succeed After College, and Quick Healthy Recipes. A college professor most of her life, she's also a ballroom dancer. She invites you to check out her YouTube channel. Meet Gail at gailkimball.info. Here's the interview with Gail Kimball. In your own words, who is Gail Kimball? I am a very curious person. So that has led me to lead uh, an interesting life, traveling around the world and writing 25 books, I think it is, around now. And it's really important to me to help others on their journey because I think there's three reasons that we're alive. We're here to grow. We're here to help others, and we're here to enjoy the creation. So that's kind of a nutshell. Do you agree that being judgmental is the opposite of being curious? Right, because it's limiting. It means that you have a set framework and it's not open to other possibilities. So, yeah, I think it's limiting, except that I certainly do it. You know, I was judgmental about our past president, so I'm not saying that I don't fall into judgment. But ideally, we would be more open to truth, whatever it is. And I wonder why even some of us who are aware of the dangers of being judgmental, 
Why do we fall for it? Is that because of emotions, belief systems, conditionings? What would you say? I, I think if we take the example of um, past president, if if someone does harm and is is hurting people, then mm -hmm. it it evokes an emotional reaction of anger, sadness, and that ties into judgment. So I, I understand the what leads us to judgment is when we feel someone is harming someone else. So there I think there's a place for judgment, but it can't be black and white. I often think about life as this play, this dance, this movement of the the opposites or whatever we call good and bad. It seems like without the whatever we call and judge and label bad, the good would not exist. So for the experience of being a human body, everything's needed. I often tell my students in my meditation, clairvoyant and healing classes to think of what Shakespeare said, that life is like a stage and we're the actors on the stage and we call in the people that we interact with. So even the most difficult people, mm -hmm. I believe our spirit called in so we can grow. So yeah, I, I think life is a stage, that's for sure. Were you ever a spiritual seeker or spirituality came to you naturally? I My first spiritual experience, I think, was when I was really, really young, maybe five or something. And I was yeah. having dreams about wolves chasing me at night. Mm -hmm. And so I asked God to take away the wolves and God took them away. <laughs> so I, <laughs> That's cute. that was my first spiritual <laughs> experience. And then I was really fortunate because my mother was very spiritual. And we read Unity magazines for children called We Wisdom. And in church, we sang, we are strong as he is strong, not we are weak as he is strong. So I, it was it was part of my growing up, and I'm really fortunate that I never heard guilt, shame, mm. sin, none of that. Emotional strength, what does it look like to be emotionally strong? What, what I tell my students is that when something is difficult, ask for help. So call on your spirit guide, your angelic helper, uh, call on the icon of who seems the most spiritual to you. It could be Buddha or Jesus or Mohammed or Zoroaster. But um, I think it comes from asking for help from higher power and from friends and family. And also, I think it comes from realizing that difficult situations are opportunities for growth, especially if we have like three repeated patterns of difficulty, then it's like our spirit called that in to grow. So if we look at difficulty as an opportunity, then I think that gives us a lot of strength. So it's not poor me. It's, oh, I have an opportunity to become stronger and wiser. When you speak of growth, what comes to me is this idea of destination. So my question to you is, what is growth to you? What is the ideal of that growth? Is there a limit or it's limitless? Well, I think all of nature is evolving and growing and we're part of that. So for me, I believe that we that spirit never dies. It always continues in, in different forms. 
So I think that we're always growing and evolving and becoming more capable and more loving and more. So no, I don't think there's a limit. And I think that it continues after death. And people's near-death experiences um, illustrate that, I think, that spirit continues. What is your definition of happiness, Gail? Contentment, joy, and I think it comes from feeling that you are doing things you enjoy. Like for me, it's dancing, teaching, writing. It comes from being with people that you love. And um, it also comes from feeling that you're part of a higher purpose, that you're doing good for others. Um, so I think growth. And we, of course, we all have our own individual characteristics. So something that makes me really happy is dancing. You can see it on my YouTube channel with my interviews. Or if I'm speaking to a lot of people like I am with you and your listeners now, that makes me happy. I really like that connecting, thinking with a lot of people. Would you say that this is um, your purpose in a way to do what you do today? It's a purpose or a passion or they are one? I, I, I don't think you can separate the two. I, I think our, our purpose is linked with our passion or else we wouldn't have the energy to do it. Mm, so right. for me, I've been a teacher all my life and a writer. And now I'm teaching, as I said, the clairvoyance, meditation, healing on Zoom. And so my purpose is to teach in a way that, because I taught a lot of women's studies classes, that makes people have a broader sense of who they are, who they can be, of their potential. So I really like challenging people to become bigger in a way, in terms of their potential. In your book, you mentioned, you said, gratitude and love are the strongest emotions. The first question is, do you see a difference between feelings and emotions? And what are some of the manifestations of love that we can clearly see and experience? Um, well, feelings can be purely physical. Like I can feel cold or hot yeah. or, you know, shaky or something like that and emotions is more than the physical I mean they're connected as we know but an emotion of um, happiness um, I, I feel it in my body and I also feel it in my spirit right. so I, I think there is a difference and love what would that be to me the universe God higher power whatever you want to call it is love so it's our source and it, it's expansive and it, it certainly is not judgmental, as right. we talked about earlier. Yeah. And it, it's, it's expansive and it, it mm. makes us feel full and energized. And then my last warm-up question is healing. What is healing to you and what are some of the misconceptions we have about healing? I think I never call myself a healer, although I do healing work, because I don't feel that I act on someone. I act as a channel, or as I always tell my students, I just did a, a Reiki class, that yeah. think of yourself as a hollow bone. You are a hollow bone channeling the healing power from a higher power. So I think one misconception is that someone heals someone which I don't think happens, but we can facilitate or be a catalyst mm -hmm. so that the person um, heals themselves, becomes whole mm -hmm. again. 
So dis-ease is not having ease. So healing is coming back to a place of unity and, as you say, love. Yeah, I have heard before somebody said or wrote that all healing is self-healing. It makes sense to me. And also the idea of wholeness from what resonates with me is the that everything is already whole. There's nothing that's not. Even the, the feeling or emotions that we are not whole, that we are broken or fragmented, that's also part of wholeness. Mm-hmm. Because evolving, we have to go from point A to B, so we evolve. It's just a perception, really, but it's not real because everything is whole. It's complete. So it's just this play, right, this dance of separation and then going back. But it's not really a going back because you never left in the first place, right? Yeah, Yeah, the biblical story of Adam and Eve is a metaphor of that, of separating from divine power, individuating, growing and evolving. So then you come back to the oneness with more consciousness, awareness, power, So, yeah, I think that's a metaphor for what we're doing. So you wrote the book, Calm, How to Thrive in Challenging Times. Two initial questions, Gail, for you. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, this book, Calm? Uh, I was forced to become a writer to write my dissertation. So my PhD is in religious studies from the University of California at Santa Barbara. So I wrote my dissertation and then I started teaching university. And then the books that I wrote were things that I was really interested in and wanted to learn about. And you can kind of see my life stages like 50-50 marriage, 50-50 parenting, how to survive your parents' divorce, kids' advice to kids, and so on. And then I had a sabbatical from teaching and I took a a training in clairvoyance and healing that was kind of a spinoff from the Berkeley Psychic Institute. And ever since then, I've been uh, doing coaching work and teaching courses in that topic and um, writing about it. So uh, I wrote a book called um, Essential Energy Tools, How to Develop Clairvoyant and Healing Abilities. And I interviewed 65 visionary scientists which who discover and explore a lot of the topics that we've talked about, but from a scientific background. Yeah. And then Calm, I wanted to write because of COVID. And I know that so many people around the world were struggling and stressed. So I wanted to have a small book that encapsulated um, how to stay centered and grounded even in difficult times. So for those who don't know, talk to me about clairvoyant. What is that? What is to be a clairvoyant? Um, The French word clairvoyance means clear seeing. And it it has to do with um, operating from your third eye, which is the sixth chakra between the eyebrows. And um, it, it has to do with getting out of emotions, ego, just, again, being a channel to hook into your higher knowing, your intuition, and um, seeing the truth. So it amazes me what I come up with in clairvoyant sessions with people that I don't know, that I don't see. I do like a phone reading. And, you know, I'm astounded at what, what comes up if, if you know how to listen. How did you discover this ability? It was a, a moment in time or it was a process, a journey? 
When I was younger, I'd have these snapshots, little photographs in my mind's eye of like a job I was going to get or a man I was going to go out with or something Mm -hmm. like that. But it was pretty intermittent. And then when I did the training in the, the, the psychic work, then I learned how to turn it on. So now whenever I'm doing a session, bingo, I turn it on and away we go. Do we all have these abilities, intuitive abilities or... This is a special gift to some of us. Uh, I think we all have it because evolution would select for people who could sense, oh, there's a tiger behind me. I I just feel there's an enemy and I better run. So I think we all have it. But our Western culture shuts it down and it tells children, oh, those imaginary playmates, they're just imagination or you know, don't trust your intuition. It's just imagination. But indigenous people around the world, they know how to use it to find the game or the water in the the desert or that kind of thing. So I think it's part of us, but that in the West, we shut it down because we're so materialist and have gotten so fearful of anything uh, spiritual. And when it comes to intuition, how do we learn to discern from thoughts that are coming from the mind, the ego mind, or even imagination itself. It seems to me like intuition has this component of imagination, of dreamlike reality. So talk to me about how do we discern between intuition and logical thinking? If you stay in your sixth chakra, I can do a visualization visualization for you to stay there if you'd like. If we stay there rather than drop down into the emotional, oh, my God, second chakra or the fourth emotional center, um, I think really the secret is staying in the sixth Mm. and keeping your ego and self out of it and being – it's kind of like being passive. You're just Mm. receiving listening, be, becoming aware. Oh, wow. So that's a very, a very interesting suggestion I never heard before. So it makes sense to me, of course, yeah, staying in the sixth. But what about the seventh, uh, Gail? Yeah, that's where our intuition comes in. Oh, but in yeah. the sixth is the one that receives it and mm. conveys the message to us. So that's why I focus on the six. But you're right, the, yeah. the seven, like in English, we say, I just got that off the top of my head. Right, and true. Oh, true. Ah, it makes life so much more fun and playful and magical to play with intuition, not to play, to listen to it, as you said. Right. And then when you're on that path, synchronicities start really speeding up. So uh, things that that you are in your growth that are good for you, they come bing, 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 really amazingly. So what it takes, would you say being open, curious, as we talked before about curiosity? Yeah, I just wonder if there's, we need training for that. Um, I think we do because we're taught in so many ways to shut down. Uh, It's just imagination. It's just a dream. Whereas those are really valuable sources of information. Yeah, so we do need training, practice, right? I, I can give you a quick visualization if we have time. Yeah, I was about to ask you questions about that. Yeah, visualizations. Yeah, absolutely. This is the visualization to be centered and to access your clairvoyance. So you can um, think, don't do this if you're driving, listeners. Think, uh, be behind your eyes. 
imagine creating a room in the center of your head. Obviously, this is just imaginary. And in the room, you can decorate it or not, have windows with great views or not, and imagine sitting in a chair in the center of the room and with your feet on the ground. And then when you want to access information, you imagine a movie screen out in front of you and you look from that room in the center of your head and you're thrown out on the screen to get the information. And when I'm doing classes, I give students feedback on what's going on in their room. And I can give you feedback if you want, but you probably don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, I love that. It brings relaxation. Maybe that's why I call the book title um, The Work Calm, because, yeah, instantly the breath becomes deeper and everything slows down. Right. I love that, Gail. Thank you. I I also think it's really important to include the body, not just the intuition. And I'm a big fan of Brain Gym, G-Y-M, which was developed for kids with learning disabilities. And someone could just look up Brain Gym exercises. But the the basic one is cross-crawl, where you touch opposite elbow to opposite knee, Hmm. opposite elbow to opposite knee. And that, that does amazing things in getting the body aligned and making it bilateral rather than homolateral. And of course, deep breathing calms the parasympathetic nervous system. So if someone wants a quick way to not be anxious, nice deep breath, long exhalation, do some cross crawls. And um, there's a nice exercise where you rub the triple warmer meridian backwards to calm. You rub your temples over your ears, down along the back of your neck, grab your shoulders and hang. This is what you call movement to balance the body would be this kinds of exercise. Or do you have others, Gail? Well, I, I, in the interest of time, I would have people look at brain gym and just walking in nature. It's, it's fabulous. And if you live in a city, find the park go early when there's not a lot of people, that kind of movement. And of course, I'm a big fan of dancing. And I think families can include that. Like if they have a Saturday morning, we're cleaning up the house as a family, put on dance music and you can dance while you're vacuuming and dusting and that sounds fun to me, <laughs> a lot, like a lot of fun. Yeah, we don't often get to do that. We take um, this experience so seriously the survival mechanism of making money and getting everything done. In my case, it's more um, responsibility in a sense with my guests and doing everything I do um, that relates to this work. And it's a lot of work. I do get to uh, enjoy, experience the body, dancing, doing all these things, breathing, of course, nature. We often forget, and I sit there with my husband. Uh, we live in our minds most of the time. Um, I just finished a book about happy marriages because I was interested in people with long-term happy marriages. And doing research for the book, I, I found out that couples spend really very small amounts of time even talking to each other, except about tasks, and they get to have date nights and to nurture the couple relationship. So I think that anyone is in a relationship, it's really important 
to nurture it like you would a garden or you nurture your car, you service it. And people forget it, as you said, in the busyness to uh, fun. And that's the pair bonding that holds a couple and a family together is enjoyment. And I know that's a thing for you that you're really interested in joy. I mean, most of the time I try to do the invitation, invite my husband to these more joyful, playful moments of the day. He still resists, though. And then this is the challenge, trying to force or trying too hard to make other people do what you do or live, experience life as I do or we do. What do you suggest in this case? I, um, I did a book called 50-50 Marriage and 50-50 Parenting. And what they would do is um, divide things up. So let's make five things that I love to do that are really fun for me. Five things that are fun for you. And then this week we'll do my top uh, number one. And next week we'll do your top number one. So they, the couples did a lot of um, dividing things up, writing down lists, sharing, alternating, and scheduling. So date night, every Saturday night or whatever. So it, otherwise it, it erodes. It gets lost paying the bills and the kids' homework and whatever else. What a great suggestion, right? I love that. So that's one that I'll try for sure, (laughs) kind of balancing the enjoyment uh, ideas for both of us, right? Yeah, men really respond to fairness. So we say, okay, let's be fair. We'll do your thing this week, my my activity next week. They They get fairness. Talk to me for a moment about positive psychology and energy psychology, which I never heard about. When doing my clairvoyance sessions, I was really looking for something that included the body in a specific way, not just intention, visualization, that kind of thing. And so I found um, energy psychology. And it is the technique I use is called emotional freedom technique, and it involves tapping on acupressure points. We might want to do a, another session sometime on on um, energy psychology. If, if people are interested, they could look up Gary Craig, C-R-A-I-G, the founder, and emotional freedom technique. Um, but it, it really, they've done all kinds of scientific studies that it moves out PTSD and vets They've done a lot of research on veterans who, who have that kind of trauma. So I, I really like including the body and energy psychology. And energy psychology recognize that the mind, the emotions, consciousness plays a part. We're not just a bag of chemicals like materialist health and science would like us to believe. Other questions that I have for you, it's meditation. What is the best way to meditate, Gail? Do we set an intention or we just um, flow with whatever comes? Um, for me, with a monkey mind, I can't do a lot of people say, keep your mind blank, let the little thought go by like a cloud. No, I can't do it. So I, um, I have a CD, that uh, an hour-long running energy meditation, so it's active. You think about bringing energy into your chakras and this and that and do the centering and the grounding and a lot of the visualizations that I teach. So for me, I need uh, a meditation that keeps my mind, my left brain busy, and I, I cannot do blank mind. And um, so if people are interested, it's available. They can go to my website, gailkimball.info. 
in your book, I really liked the, um, you included some affirmations that can help to train positive thinking. You include your mother's favorite, Barbara's uh, favorite affirmations. Oh, this is so sweet. Do you want me to read some of them? Yes, please. Yeah, oh. I love them. <laughs> I told you my mother was spiritual, so she yeah. wrote these out. Life is only as good as you make it. Look on the bright side. Every cloud has a silver lining. Honest praise is pure gold. It works magic. I really found that, by the way, in my Happy Marriage book, being uh, giving your partner praise. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Dance to the music of the spheres. Look for the little joys of life. Savor the sunshine smile of a baby. Look for the good in all things, even adversity. It can be your teacher. So you can see I was influenced by her. Yes. Forgive oh, yeah. Go free. <laughs> Forgiveness opens the door to love. You don't have to be perfect to start loving yourself. Tomorrow is a new day. Yes, I love them. There's so much. I call this um, natural wisdom, isn't it? That we all, intuitive, we all know these things, but... Yeah, but we get lost and uh, distracted. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Gail, for doing what you're doing, for sharing this natural wisdom. Thank you. And before I ask you my final questions, I do have a few more for you here. Would you like to add anything or read any other section in your book? Um, I am thinking that I have a fantastic visualization to achieve goals. Uh, I don't know if we have time. Should I? Yeah, yes. So please pick a goal, and it could be anything, and uh, and then imagine a balloon in front of you, and write the goal. I, I in my workshops a lot of times I do it with unexpected money from a good source. One woman got forty thousand dollars. I got ninety dollars in a something I got at a thrift store. Somebody else found a $50 bill. So oh. this is a good visualization. Okay, let so, me do that one. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you put your goal in the balloon and then put in the feeling of, yes, yes, I, it's happening. And then you imagine a little cord on the balloon and it's a release valve. So set the intention, anything that stands in the way of achieving your goal, breathe it down the cord. Let Mother Earth recycle it. And then fill your balloon 100% with amusement because amusement creates flow. Mm -hmm. It allows us to access higher source. And then fill it 100% with enthusiasm. And then imagine your fairy godmother drives up in her coach. She steps out, takes her wand, and fills your balloon 100% with gold miracle dust. And she goes... Kiss, kiss, darling, I love you. Call on me whenever you need help. And by the way, I helped a student who's doing her RN test call on Fairy Godmother, and she passed her test. And then (laughs) undo the cord, send the balloon off like a helium balloon to do its work on the etheric plane. And then the last part is you visualize a gauge from 1 to 100. This could be like a speedometer or a thermometer, and I'm going to ask you a question, which is important, and see what response you get, what percentage. So the question is, what, how much percent permission do you give yourself to achieve this goal? A hundred. <laughs> and for people who aren't at a hundred, you put it up ten today, and then ten tomorrow, and ten the next day. 
So this is very important because someone could be weighing 300 pounds, but their unconscious says, I don't really want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. So this deals with the unconscious kind of motivation. So um, how much permission do you give yourself to achieve the goal? And then you move it up till you're at 100. So that's a good one. That really works. The balloon just kept moving, going up, up, up. <laughs> I could not stop it from moving, even to try to visualize the strings. It just kept moving. Good. That was interesting. It makes these ideas of, of achieving anything fun. That's what life essentially is about, from my perspective. Yeah, humor is really important. Oh, it, it's just grace at play. What is to be successful? How do you define success today? When people have near-death experiences, as I discuss in one of my visionary scientists book, they report they are go through a life review and they really feel their impact as other people felt it. So to be a success is to be able to go through your life review and feel like you were kind and you grew and you loved, and think about that life review. Yeah, wow. But it's not how much money you have or how many possessions. That's not success. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? I think partly university politics were hard, and I think being woken up by a baby every three hours for a year while I was teaching and having raising this baby, that was hard. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> very challenging to me. Oh, wow. And what is another word for healing? Uh, wholeness, growth, unity. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving, losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? No, because I, I always remembered what Carlos Castaneda said that Don Juan and the sorcerer said, live as if death is always over your left shoulder. Mm, so I, I kind yeah. of kept that in the back of my mind. So I can't think of anything that I haven't done because I put it off. No. So things that were important to me, um, I've done. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? That it doesn't end, that it's about evolution, and that we have access to help and guides as we travel through life. We, we have helpers if we ask. Thank you so much, Gail, again, for your beautiful presence, light, playful, <laughs> relaxing, uh, the wisdom uh, that flows through you, the knowledge. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Lovely talking with you. And again, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, www.gailkimble.com. I mean, excuse me, dot info. So it's G-A-Y-L-E. K-I-M-B-A-L-L dot info, I-N-F-O. Wonderful. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye for now, Gail. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Gail Kimball and her work, please visit gailkimball.info. 
more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.